Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. This is a preview podcast, the first time in a few months. We're back, we made it just about through the winter period and we are going to be previewing today the first race of the 2021 season, of course, the Bahrain Grand Prix. Sam Sage and Harid alongside me. Guys, we did it. Well done. Audible shock is coming out of my mouth right now. I am flabbergasted. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't actually seem like a, a long winter, but even so, it's, it's been because no one understands time with everything that's been going on with lockdown. <laughs> time is not a concept that is understood by modern man. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I guess the last break we had, which was you know seven months, has, has numbed us to this one slightly, possibly. So I'm immune. <laughs> Sam is. Say right now. Sam is immune and we're only one minute into the podcast. This is good going. Um, We've got plenty to go through. We are going to be looking, of course, at our Bahrain preview. Bold predictions are back. They they aren't going anywhere. Bold predictions are back along as our poll one, two, three predictions. We're going to be reviewing Drive to Survive and how that's gone down. Season three, of course, was released um, earlier this week. George Russell has become uh, a new director for the Grand Prix Drivers Association. We'll be chatting about that. And Pump the Brakes makes a return later on. But first of all, Bahrain. Red Bull looking pretty good in testing, which leads us to the question, are they the favourites going into the first race of the season? Sam, what are your thoughts on this one? Yes, I think they are. I think the Red Bull are going to finally hit the ground running. Um, don't get me wrong, Mercedes are still going to be an absolute formidable opponent. We know that they've had wobbles, wibble, wobble, wibble, wobble, Mercedes on the track. Um, <laughs> and they've recovered very quickly from that. But I think that Red Bull, they got their worries out last season and they finished the season very strong. Of course, Max Verstappen absolutely dominated the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, somewhere that Mercedes, I think, have won six years on the bounce. 
So um, I think they've recovered a little bit. That Honda engine supply, good, en- uh, good power, rather. Uh, Perez, consistent, established driver knows what he's doing. Verstappen is better than ever. I really do think that Red Bull are going to be able to deliver from day one this season, and we'll have a very, very close championship on our hands. I probably should have researched this beforehand, but I'd be interested to know if you know the answer. What was when was the last time Red Bull won the first race of the season? We're Tuesday. probably going back at least nine years. Twenty uh, eleven. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah, maybe it's ten years exactly. Who knows? Regardless, it's been a long time. Harry, do you think that they can um, make that wait end now? I think there's a very, very real possibility. And, you know, we can only base this off what we've seen in testing. Um, definitely think there's a possibility they could have their strongest start to a season in a very long time. Um, I just can't believe that Mercedes won't be there. And I'm, I don't think I would suggest they were sandbagging in testing, but I think maybe they're, any problem they have in testing is is almost heightened because... They never normally have any problems in testing, so any little little glitch they've had, um, it's kind of maybe maybe made it seem worse. Um, I think they're still going to be in the hunt. I, I don't think I'd want to call Red Bull favourites because I just don't trust. I don't trust Mercedes form from testing. So um, yeah, I don't think I'd go that far. But I I definitely think Red Bull are definitely in with a really strong shout this weekend. Um, you know, especially they also came off the back of. 2020 with a with a pole and a win, a pretty dominant win at that. Um, so they got reasons to be confident. Yeah, I, I think we're we're in a situation where it's a bit of an irregularity in that we usually we go to obviously Circuit de Catalunya in Barcelona for testing uh, before going to Melbourne for the first race of the year, and we don't get Spain until uh, the May. In which case, there's already been you know six or seven races or however many they usually are. Um, and as such, when we when we look back at previous years testing, we can sometimes say, well, you know, Mercedes didn't have the best testing, but Australia is a different track. It's different temperatures. You know, there are different factors that we have to, you know, account for here. Whereas we're in a different position here where we're actually going to exactly the same place where the testing was held in a, you know, just, a, you know, last week. So, yeah, you can look at that situation and think, well, actually, yeah, the temperatures are going to be what we saw. They, you know, there's going to be no difference there, which could lead you to think that Red Bull actually might be the favourites. I, I do have them as as minor favourites here, actually. Um, and you know, we we've seen in previous preseason testing where Mercedes have been sandbagging and they haven't been as quick as they actually are when they come to Australia. And whilst I don't necessarily have an issue in terms of their pace, I, I do have an issue with the other areas because Mercedes have made it a habit of not being fastest in preseason testing and they've come out okay. But they have made it their mission to do as many laps as they possibly can without any errors with the car looking very stable. It can't be denied that the car did not look very stable on track in preseason testing and they had issues which they don't usually have to face. So... They do have to mitigate both of those. And whilst I am definitely of the belief that they will sort this out long term, this is fairly short term, even for Mercedes. So I think there is the opportunity for Red Bull to to gain a bit of an advantage here. And if Red Bull do have that advantage, Sam, do you think that it is going to be just Max Verstappen? Or do you think that Sergio Perez, given that this is his first race for the team, do you think he's going to be on the pace straight away to challenge them? 
Sergio Perez is is a, an absolute underdog of a talent. People don't realise how good Sergio Perez is. If Perez was going to wear a crown, it would be made of pure rubber because he is the king of tyres. The man <laughs> knows how to pull a performance out of a car. Look at him against all his competitors in terms of the midfield. He must have the most podiums from what is considered a midfield car out of anyone. You know, if you were to take cars that have finished from outside the top three in the championship and the amount of podiums gained in those cars... He must surely stand, you know, head and shoulders above people. He got a bloody win last season. I know it was a chaotic season, but the man pulled out a victory. Um, I think that this Red Bull is going to suit him. He's an aggressive but cautious driver. I know that's a weird combination, but Perez can drive quickly, but also can look after the car brilliantly at the same time. He's a bit like Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton does the same thing. I really don't think that Perez is going to be, you know, is going to struggle. I don't think we're going to see what Gasly did. I don't think we're going to see what Albon did. Both those young chaps were very new to the sport and didn't have a lot of experience behind an F1 wheel or how a team worked. Perez is a veteran. I am really confident that he's going to pick this up pretty quickly and he will be a formidable and difficult opponent right from the get-go. Yeah, no, I mean, you allude to Perez's win last year that, of course, came at this track, although not the same configuration. So he is something of a defending champion here. Harry, do you think he's going to be in contention for the win? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I wouldn't write Perez off at all. I think we've said this already, um, you know, maybe not qualifying, he might not be on Verstappen's pace, but we know how, how good he is. Um, and Bahrain is a it's a, it's a hot place, and he he does look after those tyres very well. So, um, yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see him in contention. And that is exactly what Rebel need. You know, if they're going to be competitive this year they need Perez to be in contention right from the off so um, yeah I think it's definitely possible yeah I, I think Perez does definitely have an advantage over say a rookie coming into the sport in that he's got a lot of experience but even so I think he will take a little bit of time to adjust the car pre-season testing look look fairly good for him so I don't think it'll take him very long but winning on his debut for Red Bull for me I, I wouldn't put money on it at the same time I certainly wouldn't bet against him but I don't think he's he's necessarily the favourite up against Verstappen, particularly on this weekend. I, I think he will take at least at least a race or two to adjust to the car. Um, and ultimately, in terms of Red Bull's chances against Mercedes, yeah, Mercedes, we have to bear in mind that last year of the two races we had there, they won one of them and they really should have won the other one as well. Um, in terms of pure pace, Mercedes were far and above everyone else last year at the circuit. So there is a good chance that they do show up and they do show that same form that they had last year. But yeah, Red Bull, we, we've spoken about this before and Red Bull, I think, are fully admitting to this that the number one reason that they haven't been able to put together a championship effort is because of how slowly they've started years. And they've done a great job in closing the season out, particularly you know, in Mexico, they've got a pretty good record. Brazil, they've got a win in recent years. Um, Abu Dhabi, of course, as Sam, you've already referenced, they won last year. So they, they do a very good job at the end of the season. And it's always been a question of can they start hot enough that they can make that count at the end of the year? This is a great opportunity for them. So if they get a win here, I think it's a big statement. In terms of the midfield, um, first of all, who's going to make up the midfield? But second of all, what on earth order they're going to be in? I think it's anyone's guess, but do you have um, do you have an inkling one way or the other, Sam? Honestly, 
uh, you could, I could be wrong in a million ways. I also could luckily guess the right order. I can tell you with no consistency, no confidence, no real ability of who's going to be there. I feel like McLaren rather are going to be leading that midfield. I feel like they are going to be an attacking force. They've got a great package. The team feels very put together. They have a very good testing. Of course, we're at the same track, which does help. They've also now got the Mercedes engine, which has slipped in perfectly. They had no real issues with that. I feel like Ricardo and Norris are up for it, and they are going to be doing a very good job. I do feel like Alpha Tauri, Ferrari, and um, Aston Martin are going to be the closest of the three fighters for what could be essentially uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh, um, with Alpine settling between McLaren and um, and then that group. So I'm very excited to see how that plays out. But I think. Individual performances are really going to be the decider. Can Alonso pull it together to pull that team up? You know, can Vettel get to grips with the Aston Martin early enough that it's going to make the difference? Is Carlos Sainz going to be, you know, a one-hit wonder, or is he just going to flop? You know, it's really difficult to kind of tell what's going to go on with these teams, and each team has its own story. Uh, but I have the most faith in that McLaren package in the terms of how I think the direction they're going in, the engine they've got, the drivers they've got together. I feel like it's just working at the moment. It's just gelling. So I think that McLaren will probably lead that midfield pack. Any ideas from you, Harry, as to who you think might be leading the way? I mean, I think you could write them all, uh, all the team's names on piece of papers, chuck them in a, in a hat, mix them about, chuck them in the air, and then whatever order they landed in, that could be it. I think it's Should, we, so should we actually do that? Yeah, all right, fine, let's do it. And then that'll decide it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be so close this year that I can, it's Ben actually writing, <laughs> writing oh, it Oh, yeah, down. I meant it. I meant it. All right, fine. Here we go. I'll keep, talk, I'll keep talking to you, right? Yeah, go ahead. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I, to be fair, though, I think I do agree with Sam. I think, um, I think McLaren, you know, are probably set to be the strongest out of the midfield but honestly I think it can it's going to vary each rate from race to race um and it's a very valid point that Sam made about you know testing being at the same circuit as the first race I mean when was the last time have we ever had that I don't know um you know that's that's you know obviously going to be quite indicative uh the testing base will be quite indicative of what the first race will look like so on that basis McLaren do look like the strongest but I think you know, as we go throughout the year, I think it's going to vary so much that who knows what's going to happen. Um, I know what's going to happen because I have got all of them written down here. Um, and we are now <laughs> going to find out how the midfield will stack up. You could probably hear paper I've got here. Let's, uh, let's chuck them in the air. Yeah, has just chucked right. in the air, folks. I can see. Yeah, it. OK. So we can confirm the third place team is going to be McLaren, actually. So, Get Sam, you were, you were right on that. Um, fourth place team is going to be Aston Martin so they're going to be looking alright there it's actually just going to follow exactly what the standings were last year um, yeah there you go Alpina fifth so this oh. is definitely working out um, and have I managed to get them in order I have Ferrari a sixth so basically it's going to be exactly what 2020 was and I swear <laughs> to God that was completely random that was completely <laughs> random he's livid I can't believe I managed to draw them out in exactly the order they finished in last year. Regardless, 
there is perhaps more science to these predictions than that. Not a lot, but perhaps a little bit more. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't got a clue. I really don't have a clue here. Um, what's perhaps most interesting for me is that let let's say there are five teams in the midfield. You've got the the, the AlphaTauri team, the Aston Martin team, Alpine, um, Ferrari, and McLaren. All five of them have got brand new lineups. Um, in, in terms of you know they've got all. I think they've all got one new driver between them. I don't think. Um, yeah, I think that's across the board. So it all it could be a, a case of firstly, which of those existing drivers can take advantage of their new teammates getting used to the car. So you're thinking. Stroll, can he take advantage whilst Vettel is still getting accustomed? Can Ocon do the same thing with Alonso? You know, can Leclerc do that with Sainz, etc.? Um, and the other question is how those new drivers, who's going to get to grips fast enough? Is Alonso going to be there straight away after having a few years out? Is Ricardo going to struggle at all like he did a little bit at the beginning of his Renault stint? All of these questions will probably determine how well they go. I think you know if I had to guess, maybe McLaren would be would be my favourites to to lead the way this weekend. But it's really tough to say, really tough to say. And with that, we'll go into the return of bold predictions. Yeah, that's me just buzzing my hair off, lads, because we're going bold. How bold will we go? Will we go as bold as Bruce Willis or as hairy as Chewbacca? <laughs> there it is. For, the, for that wonderful impression, Sam, you can kick us off. What's your bold prediction for this weekend? Uh, mine is a, a two-parter, because why not oh, for the first start of the season? Love a two-parter. Um, there will not be a Mercedes on the podium through pace. And Sergio Perez will win the Grand Prix. Well, we're starting off slow, ladies and gents, apparently. We're going with uh, a not very bold one to kick us off. <laughs> I, I can't believe, um, first of all, if Mercedes go and 1-2 this and win by 30 seconds, that, uh, yeah, just imagine that. I can't believe you've just uttered the words, Mercedes are not going to be on the podium through pace. Yeah. It just seems unreal. Give it two races. They'll, they'll be back there again at the top by 30 seconds. But I just think it's going to catch them out. I don't think they're enjoying it at the moment. Well, we love a bold prediction, and that definitely classifies as bold. Harry, what have you got? Um, I don't think mine's quite as bold, but mine is that every rookie on the grid, uh, Fernando Alonso not included in that, uh, every rookie will be in the points. Double Haas finish in the points? Yes. Double Haas points. Exactly. Are you aware of what you've said? I mean, little Yuki, he'll be fine. He'll be in the points, but... Um, oh, yeah, he, he, might, he can wing it, to be honest. But... Yuki! <laughs> he'll be fine. He's a legend, Yuki but... Yuki's fan club over here. We are, pretty much. Um, but you, you're saying... <laughs> you're saying that the two the two house guys are going to finish in the points. You are aware they are driving a tractor this year. Yeah, there's Correct. an egg in behind got... one of the wheels. <laughs> the egg isn't going to realise he's an egg for the entire race, just for this one race. Uh, yeah. Wow! Uh, Honestly, yeah. that's that's way more bold. That is way more bold than what I said. Also, I really object to you calling Mick Schumacher an egg. It's not. Fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, my my bold okay. prediction. Um, my bold prediction is fairly straightforward, to be honest, and it is not as bold as that. But Pierre Gasly is uh, is like this circuit before. He had a pretty epic P4 when he was at Toro Rosso. I think he's going to do the same again. I've got him finishing P4. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I think the I mean, Alpha Tauri though is looking quite good here. I think all Red Bull based cars are looking quite good here. So it will be interesting. Yeah, um, it's certainly not unbold, but at the same time, it's not quite. Well, it's nowhere near double Haas points levels. But... You're, you're like the awkward bloke in his late twenties whose hair has started to recede and thin, but you're oh, you're clinging on to the roots. Yeah, I like how you say you're like that because. The reality isn't far off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mid-twenties rather than late-twenties, and you're spot on. Um, okay, poll one, two, three. Sam, what, what have you got for this? Uh, I've got poll for Max Verstappen. I've got the wing for Sergio Perez. I've got second place for Max Verstappen, and third place is Daniel Ricciardo. It's a spicy podium, spicy podium. What are you saying, Harry? Poll one, two, three. Uh, I'm going for a Maxi Verstappen pole, but I'm going to put Hamilton in first, Verstappen second, and Sergio Perez in third. Oh, but all right, um, <laughs> I am going to I'm going to go with a Verstappen pole position. I think he converts that to a race win. Um, so we've got three different winners coming out of these predictions, which isn't something that happens very often. Um, Lewis Hamilton will claim second. And you know what? I think Valtteri Bottas might get a podium, so I'm going to give him third. Go on, Bop, Bop. Come on, Bottas. You're my man. More um, bottles, please. <laughs> let us know what your poll predictions are. We're always interested to know, as well as your poll one, two, three predictions. Do they align with what we're saying? Are you going for something absolutely ridiculous? Would be. Would love to hear what you think. At L Breaking on Twitter. To move on to Drive to Survive. This, of course, has got a lot of attention in the media. It's been the most watched show on Netflix, which is great for the sport. Um, I would say that the reaction has been somewhat mixed and you will be able to see what we've done on YouTube. We've done two videos, five best things we think that Drive to Survive did this season, five worst things that we think Drive to Survive did this season. So feel free to check those out. Viewing figures are high, Sam. What did you make of the series as a whole? Uh, I won't dive you know, too deep as we, we've given some in-depth analysis over on YouTube. But overall, I, st- I still think it's a brilliant concept for Formula 1. I think Liberty Media have done a brilliant thing by putting this together with Netflix. It's, it is definitely a positive overall for the sport. And it's bringing a lot of new viewers to the sport, which we definitely need. Formula 1 has had some troubles in the last decade or so with uh, bringing a new audience and continuing that growth. Especially in the wider parts of the world that aren't the core race locations. Um it does great, a great job at showing off some, some action. It gives a brilliant insight behind the scenes into driving mentality, how teams run, the difficulties teams have. And I absolutely love that. But there are some things that Drive to Survive just cannot get right. And it ruins the season, in my opinion. And it, it damages my trust for Drive to Survive. And that is, we mentioned it in these videos. I'll give you a quick snapshot now. The incorrect use of radio messages and essentially lying about storylines that don't exist. Uh, using track shots that are on repeat or changing to create more of a dynamic tension that, again, isn't there. There's enough tension in the sport as it is. Let that play out. And they miss so many key events that are integral to the sport, to the season we've had, to what goes on. I think that they should be including those, and I get disappointed that they don't. They also, and this, I'm more disappointed in Netflix here than I am about Liberty, Liberty Media because I expect it from them. But Netflix did not do a good enough job showing off diversity, inclusion, and promoting that aspect of what the sport needs to do more of. Uh, 12 minutes across the entire series, does Lewis Hamilton and the rest of the cast get to speak about um, racism, We Races 1, 
women in the sport, LGBTQ+, it's all filtered into 12 minutes of the last episode. Not good enough for me. Um, I enjoyed watching it. There's a lot more they could do, in my opinion. But as, as newcomers to the sport watching it for the first time and getting involved in the sport, it definitely does the right job. What are your thoughts overall on the series, Harry? Um, yeah, it does exactly what it's meant to do, isn't it? Um, and we, as Sam said, we spoke about this in, a, in our link at length in other videos um, that are on our YouTube channel. But it, it's it's there to bring in new fans, and I think it does that exactly. It, it you know, encapsulates the, the drama of the sport. Some of it, as you know, F, regular F1 watchers will uh, will attain to, is is completely made up. Um, but for what it's there for, I think you know it does a really good job. And there are some bits, even for regular viewers of F1, uh, there are some bits in there which are brilliant. And uh, you know that mainly revol- revolves around the behind the scenes, you know, stuff, personalities within the paddock, size of people we don't see before, size of drivers. Is you know it could be Bottas, size of team principals like Gunter Steiner. Um, yeah, I think what what they do there is you know absolutely brilliant. Um, they do well. They have missed some key stuff this season, which is a shame, um, especially considering how they have. I know a lot went on in twenty twenty, but considering how they did uh, devote some of the time to some episodes on things that were not needed or were completely fictional, it is a shame that they missed some key moments. Um, but overall, I think it's it's a gr- it's a great addition to to F one. Um, I just think they need to pitch. Uh, not page position it position the series in a in a different way. I think it's uh, trying to do two things at once, which is is not capable capable of doing. But other than that, uh, I think it's always a good always a good addition to F one. Yeah, for me it does it does go back to that. It's trying to do two things at once. It's absolutely a beneficial thing for Formula One, and I hope it continues for a long time because. This bringing in of of young fans is something that Formula One doesn't do historically very well. And this is something that is helping in that cause uh, a lot. Um, Ultimately, like for my for my viewing experience, it's not perfect. But at the same time, if it was perfect for my viewing experience, it wouldn't be doing a very good job. What I mean by that is it shouldn't be designed for me. You know, it, it shouldn't be tailored to someone like me. And if it was tailored to someone like me, it's a really missed opportunity because ultimately I have the plan to watch every single Formula One race this season, just as I did last season, just as I'll do next season and for every season after that. F1 have got me hooked. I, I'm pretty sold on the whole concept overall. Um, so really, there's no value in me to drive to survive you know if if i'm gonna watch it anyway the amount of money that f1 get from me isn't gonna change so what's the point in pitching it at someone like me however if you're to compare that to a brand new fan who has either never watched formula one before or has only very sporadically watched formula one before and because of the drive to survive experience they are able to capture them and they were able to make them into fans like us then that's absolutely an increased value for F1. And that's where their their attention and their resource should be devoted because that's where the money is. That's where you get the people in. And, you know, that's why, and I don't quite understand some of the criticism when you, when you hear, for example, 
people complain in the, like the first episode, like why why are they explaining what qualifying is? And to someone like myself or or any of us, it's like yeah, well we we don't need that explanation. But you know what? Their intended audience does need that explanation. So I don't get annoyed at those sorts of things. But there is definitely to what you've said here that they are trying to do two things at once and they just need to pick one or the other and for me for what i for what it's worth i think they should absolutely head towards the newer fans um because that's where that's where they'll gain the most and and to pick up on um what you said sam in terms of this fabrication for me it boils down to dramatization is fine fabrication is absolutely not fine firstly it's just wrong to fabricate stories because it's unfair on the people involved in them i you know the the norris and signs one was the most confusing one from this season and to be fair that i don't think there was anything damaging this year but if you were to look back at season one you might remember there was a heavy focus on esteban ocon versus sergio perez and they were very heavily invested in esteban ocon as a character and essentially painted the picture that the only reason Perez stayed in Formula One was because he had money, which was completely unfair. And I was really annoyed about what they did at that point. Um, and now the irony, of course, is now we're getting to season three and essentially, you know, Perez is looking to be the one out of the sport. And they're also trying to make the opposite claim that he's good enough to be there. Um the, the, the overall point is that there, there wasn't anything that damaging this season, but creating these rivalries between Norris and Signs that don't exist, it's not fair on the people involved. And it's also completely counterproductive because, and this is something I raised in the videos, when you go, when these people go to watch Formula One, as is the intention, they're just going to see it for the lie that it is and become disinterested. Like, there was there's a Norris and Signs rivalry. Where is it? This is what I was shown in the shown in the series did you completely make that up people aren't going to be happy about that so areas improvement of of course um you know and i hope they work them out but overall massive plus for f1 let's move on to some news about george russell so ahead of the new season george russell has become the newest director of the grand prix drivers association he replaces roman grosjean in that role uh, and he'll work alongside fellow directors sebastian vettel the chairman alex verts and the first non-driver in gpda history anastasia fowl so harry what are your thoughts on russell's appointment here um, I think it's a sensible move for for both parties, to be honest. Um, obviously, it's no longer Roman Grosjean. He's not in F1 anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, they can't go for a driver that's uh, old. Uh, and, and I use old in the loosest uh, sense of the word because they're not that old. But, you know, a driver that might be nearing the end of his career, it doesn't make sense because I just have to replace him again. Um, so I think it's sensible to have a younger driver. You know, they they are the future of F1 and they've been they've come up through the ranks much more recently than some of the older drivers have so I think that makes sense for Russell I think he's he's got a sensible head on on some young shoulders um and then from his point of view I think it's a really good and sensible move because you know he's made an impact with that one driving Mercedes but there is some risk of him you know kind of being forgotten you know like Netflix forgot Williams um, but kind of being forgotten in that Williams car at the back of the grid. So I think him having that voice as chairman is a is a good move for him because it means he will always be 
heard. It means he'll always be heard. He won't be shut out because he's considered a backmarker. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, F1 is that harsh, but I think there just could be a risk of that. So, yeah, from, from his point of view, I think it's a really good move. Um, yeah, good good decision all around from, 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 my, from my point of view. What are your views on this, Sam? Do you think it's a good appointment for both for both Russell and the Grand Prix Drivers Association? He is entering quite young into the role. Yeah, that's actually pretty my concern about things. That, like, I think it's brilliant that a youngster's in there. I'm going to contradict myself in a minute as well, um, which I love doing. I do it often. Um, you know, you do need to have experience. You do need to understand what's going on within the sport and within other sports. Remember that the Grand Prix Drivers Association isn't just for Formula One. And that is the point that I want to make that Russell, who is going to get a voice, he's going to have an impact. He's going to be known across all the drivers and the sports, which is great for your career. That's very positive. And that's great. that Also Formula One has that representation, both experienced and inexperienced. My issue here is um, F1 isn't the only sport involved in that. As much as we are a Formula One based podcast, I want all motorsport to thrive. I would have liked to have seen further representation from outside the sport, even from a younger category, I think could be interesting. Um, and that's where I contradicted myself. Of course, these people don't have as much experience. They are younger. And I would like to maybe have seen that input. Sebastian Vettel is a brilliant representative of Formula One. He is everything I want Formula One to look like. Um, Lewis Hamilton is the only other person I'd have said, well, I'd be happy to replace him, to be honest. Sebastian Vettel is kind. He is aware. He is uh, open-minded. and But he also understands the values of what Formula One needs and where we're going. Um, I think it's brilliant that we don't have a racer, and I think it's brilliant that we've got a past racer. I'd like to see someone from a different um, category, because I think that opens up the dynamic more to incorporate maybe new elements of things into other sports. But for Russell, I think this is brilliant. I think it's really good for his career. I think it opens him up to new things, and I think it gets the exposure that he needs, which he currently isn't getting at the back of the grid. So, yeah, overall, pretty positive. I mean, since 1996, um, he is the 19th driver to take up this position as a director um sorry no i correct myself he is the 18th driver and there was one legend as well Yano trulli of course um <laughs> I, 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 guess, I guess he's also classified as a driver um yeah so you, you you've got those you've got 19 essentially in the last uh, in the last 25 years what's interesting is he's the second youngest to ever take up the position and the only person that was younger when he took up the position was ironically the guy he's going to be working alongside Sebastian Vettel was 22 years of age um when he took on the role all the way back in 2010 believe it or not um so yeah you, you you've got someone which is good for russell you've got someone who knows what it was like to join the gpda as a director at essentially the same age that russell's joining um i do think it's an interesting one considering his age however i see it as a as a plus rather than a minus just because if you look at the if you look at the reason the gpda exists it, it, there are a number of reasons firstly it is to give the drivers a voice Secondly, it is to improve the spectacle of Formula One. Uh, and thirdly, you know, improving driver safety is a really important feature as well. So if you look at all of those, I think it's actually really good that you've got a, not necessarily a diverse representation, but you, you do have two generations covered by the two directors that you've got there. I don't think you necessarily want two people who think the same thing, were born in the same year, uh, have the same interest, etc., etc., because you won't actually get that diverse views and you won't, you know, I don't think you'd actually make as big a step forward as a result of that. Because there is, let's say, 10 years or so between Vettel and Russell, I think you've got a slight mix there. 
And, you know, whereas Vettel might be in a better position to represent the voices of those who are slightly more experienced in Formula One and slightly older, Russell might be the best um, spokesperson, if you will, for the younger generation that's coming through, for maybe the likes of Lando Norris and um, and Alex Albon, and the, the likes of those guys. So I, I think it's good that they've got sort of two two guys from different age groups in that and you know i've i've always said i think george russell is a great character uh, as well as a driver i think he'll do a great job there i think he's well spoken and i am sure he's going to dedicate himself to the role so uh, i'm a big fan of george russell personally so i i think he will do excellently in the role And let's move on then to our final topic. It is time to pump the brakes. Pump the brakes! Love pump the brakes. Love pump the brakes. Um, So what we do here is the three of us will each give an opinion. uh, And the other two have to decide whether they should keep going with that opinion because they're right. Or whether they should pump the brakes. Um, And if... If both people think that they should pump the brakes, you get gunged by Dave Benson Phillips. I really miss Dave Benson Phillips. I wonder if eventually, if we get big enough, that's on you guys listening, by the way, if we could get him on to host the segment. I mean, the reality is a lot of people probably don't even know who he is. I don't care. They should know who he is. We're going to educate the people. Okay, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so you will get um, at least gunged in the podcasting world we're not in the same place but um you don't want to get a wrong opinion here so sam if you wouldn't mind kicking us off here pump the brakes what opinion have you got for myself and harry mick schumacher is not good enough to step up into a top half car in formula one and i don't know if he ever will be harry uh i'm gonna say I'm going to say pump the brakes. Why? Uh, I think he he might not be now, but he he will be one day. I think he's a slow burner. But I agree now. I agree we are now. Clinging, I agree with you. clinging onto Schumacher straws here. I, I, oh. I, but I think, genuinely think he will be one day. Just not. I agree with you now. He's not. So, I mean, there's the podcast episode title for you um schumacher straws and i knew it <laughs> 36 minutes in and we straws. finally got the title get your straws <laughs> schumacher straws two for a penny three for a pound <laughs> for the record that is the worst deal i've ever heard <laughs> the amount of people that fall for it <laughs> two for a penny three for a pound i make a killing who would be a fool to only get two honestly and that is sort of a deal <laughs> Um, okay. Um, the question is, do I tell you to pump the brakes and do you get gunged? So just, just repeat it again. Cause I want to get the, the semantics of this right, because that's going to determine my answer on this. So you think that Schumacher is definitely not ready to move up to a top five team now. And you don't know if he ever will be. I, I would say I am about 75% sure that he will never be good enough. He may get there on monetary value, but I don't think in racing ability that he should get into a top five team ever. Ooh, that's... Uh, if you'd said top three, 
you might have been all right, but I'm going to tell you to <laughs> pump the brakes. Gunge me, brother. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Yeah, um, I want to. I want to see him given a chance in Formula One, and I think he does have the potential to be in a top half team. I have my own reservations about whether he's going to get to a top two or three team on ability. Uh, it concerns me that it took him a little while to adjust to both F2 and Euro F3, where drivers like George Russell and Charles Leclerc did not need that time. So I definitely have my reservations. But based on what I've seen so far, and I guess more importantly, based on what I haven't seen so far, I'm not willing to say that he hasn't got the ability to at least appear in the fourth or fifth best car on the grid. Fair enough. Harry, what's your opinion, please? Um, my opinion relates to, to this weekend, actually. Uh, it is that this weekend's Bahrain GP will be the worst Bahrain GP we've ever had. The, the most dull, most predictable, boring. All right, actually, before we get into whether we want to pump the brakes here, I want to know why you think that's the case. Yeah, Because... We have had two races at the end of last season at Bahrain. We've had a pre-season test at Bahrain. Two weeks later, we got another bloody race at Bahrain, and they all—they got way too much like recent data to make it anything uh, unpredictable. What do you reckon, Sam? I am going to say pump the brakes <laughs> because. Do you remember when we first went to Bahrain? When we first went there, all those years ago, when we had the world's longest track and had that stupid out a little bit that took forever to go through, and we took it in the daytime. Um, that was boring. It was so boring. And Bahrain has consistently been, at least for the last four or five years I can think of, one of the highlights of the season. It is such an underrated Grand Prix, such an underrated racetrack in terms of providing brilliant moments. And I think with the controversy of Mercedes possibly sandbagging, the midfield is so packed together, Sergio Perez at Red Bull, there's too many storylines for this to not be a thrilling Grand Prix. And I know we can't get rain and we have, haven't got different tyre compounds, but Austria and Styria were fascinating both times. Silverstone was fascinating both times. I only call it Silverstone because I can't remember what it was called for the other one. Um... 70th anniversary. That's not a Grand Prix game. Um, and I think that Bahrain, for a one-off, even though we've had testing, and um, we had two races at the end of last season, which were both brilliant Grand Prix as well, I think this is still going to be exciting. Do I think this is going to be the best race of the season? Probably not. But I do not think it will be the most boring race that we've ever seen at this racetrack. I mean, speaking of names of Formula One races, can't wait for Imola. That is uh, the, 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 the Made in Italy Grand Prix. The oh. podcast will go on till the end of next week. It's not a pizza, guys. <laughs> what are you talking about, Made in Italy? Um, right, so I think you have a good point here, Harry. And I understand where you're coming from in that two races at the end of this year, pre-season testing. We've spent a lot of time in Bahrain recently, so... I definitely understand your viewpoint. And I think if you'd pitched this to me halfway through the season, um, I, I think I might might have said, yeah, fair enough. But 
I am too psyched. I am too optimistic. I am too pumped for the new year that I am not going to allow your negativity to reign all over this parade, Harry. <laughs> Get out of here. Pump the brakes. Get him guns! <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually glad because I don't think I even agree with myself. I don't even like my own point, but <laughs> Harry, only, only like my own point. <laughs> Harry, only you could make points that are your own opinion and still be wrong. I, I don't decided, understand it. I've decided to pump my own brakes. <laughs> Where's the gun button? I'll press it. Country. It's an opinion. You can't be wrong, and you found a way. I don't, I don't know how. <laughs> brilliant. Just brilliant. Okay, I uh, I'm gonna go with this one. I've got a couple, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with this one. Fernando Alonso at Alpine will get a podium this season before Sebastian Vettel gets one for Aston Martin. I like that seagull meme where it puts its head all the way back and it's about to shout. You're gonna say grazie ragazzi, are you? That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I completely agree with everything you just said. Oh. Not pumping the brakes, you're not getting gunged. I completely agree. I think Alonso is going to tear it up, but it's got two letters on the start of it that have SH. I can't swear children listen to the podcast. I can't believe you. No, can't work it out. You're going to have to say it. Sugar. Ah, yes, of course. Watermelon sugar up. Fernando Alonso is coming back with a vengeance, and I think Sebastian Vettel is going to be in a car that isn't as good as the Alpine, and I think he's going to have to settle a bit more. I think Alonso is absolutely right. I read an article today that he's like, by the way, Alpine, I hate this, 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 and this about the car. Change it. It's not good enough. And if he's already got that much assertive and dominance coming to the team, then he's hungry. He wants it. So I completely agree with you. I think Alonso is firing on all cylinders. Is there a dance that Alonso used to do? Oh, I think it was <laughs> looks a bit like this. You can't even see me, but it's the two-time world champ dance. Two-time world champ. Two-time world champ. You all know it. Get off your seats, lads. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about this is no one can see you do it, so I'm literally just doing that for my own amusement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Harry, um, what do you think? Do you agree with uh, both me and Sam on this, apparently? Um, I... I think we've already, you know, not proven, but we already think that the midfield is going to be so super tight. Uh, and, you know, Fernando Alonso is Fernando Alonso. Um, I can see both drivers being on the podium this year, but, yeah, it is entirely plausible. I don't think I could disagree with you. If you said Fernando Alonso is going to score a podium before Vettel this year, I'd be like, yeah, that seems, that, that, that seems plausible. He's Fernando Alonso, isn't he? So, um, yeah, sorry, I mean... It's really annoying. Ben's the only one who doesn't get guns. Shove it with you, yeah, useful opinions, Ben. Yeah, very embarrassing. Uh, uh, but never mind. Never mind. I'm sure we'll make a we'll make a return for this segment at some point, and Dave Benson Phillips can get gunging people again. Honestly, people, educate yourself on Dave Benson Phillips. It will absolutely not be worth your time. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is pump the brakes. Pump the brakes! Yeah, All there you of go. the brakes! There's my bad opinion. I, I snuck my bad opinion in at the very end there. Um, Dave is an honorary late-breaking member. The honorary gunja. Yeah, I'm kidding, of course. We love we love, we love, love DBP. What a guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough for pump the brakes. Dave breaking. 
Pump the brakes! Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here, and of course the next time we'll be going uh, live for a podcast will be after the race for a review. Folks, we're going to have a race! I am so pumped. I know you are, because you've listened all the way to this point, and then we know that all of you turn off at this exact moment and go, <laughs> Yeah, all of you. Shut um, up, Sam. I can see you. Shut I can up. See you. I can see you in the statistics. So, uh, please subscribe <laughs> to the podcast, download it, then give it to you now, and I'm saying it really quickly before you leave. Um, obviously, massively appreciate it. We're pumped for a race. Come back on Sunday and Monday. We've got videos of podcasts coming out to review the Bar and Grand Prix. Let us know your thoughts. In the meantime, I have been Sandra Sage. I've been Ben Hockey. I've been Harry Eats. And remember, keep raking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.